Hello, and we're back with another CMO Combo, the CMO Alliance podcast that brings you conversations with some of the best and brightest of the marketing world. Today, we're speaking to Aki Temiseva, CMO of the nonprofit Children Believe, on the importance of empathetic branding in both the nonprofit and for-profit space, and how he overcame the unique challenges of launching a rebrand in the midst of global pandemic. This episode brought to you by Deep Crawl. Savvy CMOs know that SEO has never been a more important part of their marketing mix. Ranking at the top of Google search results has a direct impact on revenue by lowering customer acquisition costs, but content and keyword optimization is only part of the picture. Following recent search engine updates, your overall website health and technical performance are key to ranking well in 2021 and beyond. With Deepcrawl's all-in-one technical SEO and website health platform, your team will have the tools it needs to track your website's technical performance, improve page ranking, and stay top of mind with customers by staying top of the search results in Google. Join leading brands who already use Deepcrawl, including teams at Adobe, eBay, Twitch, PayPal, Microsoft, and Canva. Visit deepcrawl.com to ensure your brand reaches its full revenue potential through the one initiative most marketing teams overlook, technical SEO. Hi, Aki. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. Um, we're going to be talking about some some very relevant and interesting things, which is about relaunching brands in the middle of COVID, which it's got to be a challenge. It's got to be a very unique set of circumstances for a brand relaunch. It's got to set you up for relaunches in the future in any kind of circumstances. Uh, but before we get down to that, maybe we'll get, a bit, get into a bit of your background, your, your professional background and your role as a CMO at uh, sure. Children Believe. Sure. So yeah, so um, so for the first half of my career, um, I worked for the for-profit um, side of things. Um, started my career with uh, Procter & Gamble. So all about brands, all about building strong brands and kind of always also learning about consumer needs and understanding why we're doing something. So I think I've carried that over. As then I, about 20 years ago, I moved into not-for-profit um, and worked in mostly in international space, um, uh, international, uh, internal, uh, development agencies uh, focusing mostly on, on, on children's rights, um, especially underprivileged children. Um, and so worked in UK, London for a long time, then moved on to the US for a bit. And now five last years, uh, five last years in Canada. And um, yeah, currently with Children Believe as the um, CMDO. So this mixed background of profit and non-profit do you think it gives you a certain philosophy with how you approach marketing, like a certain a different approach than someone who might have only stuck with profit or only stuck with non-profit? Like, does it give you like the best of both worlds, do you think? Yeah, you know, um, I do feel that there is a definite advantage because I can, I can draw on from that background um, where you really kind of learn to be very clear about who you are and why you are. And um, so uh, where things are both based on facts and research, but also then um, uh, a blend of when you need to kind of bring in, in a gut feel in there. So I think that it's a definitely a benefit of, of seeing the business from both sides. Definitely, definitely. Um, so what, like, what, sorry, I'm just going to, I'm going to think for a second there. I will edit this out. Um, so what, what, what are the unique perspectives to work being a non-profit CMO? Because I, I, I personally haven't worked in the non-profit section and a lot of our audience won't be familiar with the non-profit sector. Like what, what is the, the unique duties of being a, a non-profit CMO? Sure, um, so um, I'll come to one big difference in, in a second, but I think the things that are, are similar, which I've carried, you know, people take different things, you know, as, as marketers, as their kind of their thing. 
Um, uh, one of the things, you know, uh, I've said, let's keep it simple. Um, focus on what is the core uh, driving engine of whether it's a corporation, whether it's a brand, or whether it's 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 an organization and not for profit. Um, and sometimes, you know, we're all kind of um, lured into the newest gimmicks and newest different things going on in the world. And, and I think we need to be aware of those and bring those to balance things. So you can't be just stuck in the past, but really kind of keeping it simple. Um, and then um, working with people, really empowering and understanding that, you know, you can't achieve things by yourself. So those are kind of the things that, you know, for any good marketing plan, any, any good brand building, are absolutely essential. Um, the thing that's very different um, working in a not-for-profit, the kind of not-for-profit I'm working on, we have two sets of customers, right? So you've got the people who you want to buy your services, in this our case, to support your cause and donate or volunteer their time. Uh, but then you're, um, you're also then uh, have a business um, and in business terms, taking care of like the people you're actually helping, right? So um, whereas in usual business, you produce products to one audience. You have, uh, I call it kind of a polar model and therefore, not-for-profits, I think, you know, the, the best way to build a business is to be a very good partner. If you're working in brand and marketing, be a very good partner with your programs, folks, the, the, the ones who design the programs you're doing. And um, there's a bit of debate there always, like, you know, should then the programs leave and, and then we just fundraise for what's happening or, or definitely shouldn't be the other way that, you know, the donors decide what we do. Uh, I found in my experience, when there's a perfect balance, that's the, that's the best. You know, they, they should both inform each other. And, and if, if, if that relationship exists in an organization and not for profit, then um, you can kind of go on and do great things. So, so what role does branding play in developing that balance? Like what role can a brand play? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I think in terms of brand, um, the brand really has to reflect what you do. And again, it's, it's the same thing in, in for-profit um, as in not-for-profit. So what you do at the field level um, has to be, it's often very complex. So, you know, if you see program reports of what's, what's the impact on ground uh, for a normal, um, even for me or, or just a donor who's not even working in this space, it's highly complex. You're like, okay, well, what are you really doing? So what brand does is brand actually, you know, simplifies the work you're doing and, and packages in a way where people can feel that um, there's a role for them to support that. So uh, that and that's absolutely crucial to have the clarity. Um, there's some brands that uh, don't have clarity or there's some brands that kind of promise everything. Uh, and I think especially in this space where we're now um, with increased competition, um, if you're not very sharp uh, and, and, and focused on what you do and, and also brave enough not to try to go be everything for everyone, um, I think those kind of brands will really thrive and last. It's, it's interesting to talk about bravery there because I feel like it, it must have been a very brave decision to relaunch a brand in the middle of a, a global pandemic, particularly a charity brand. What necessitated a brand relaunch in such an unstable circumstances? Why do it now? Why not wait for, yeah, it, for it all calms down? Great, great question. As you can imagine, there were some discussions. Uh, the, so obviously the discussions had started long before uh, because it's not overnight that you feel that, you know, our brand is outdated or it doesn't work anymore. And so that's the first thing my advice is just kind of, you, you have to listen to whether what you do on ground reflects any more to your internal or external stakeholders, what you're actually doing. 
and if there's a mismatch on that, and then secondly, if um, uh, it prohibit, uh, prohibits you from growing, from, from you know, uh, those are kind of the two key criteria. So these discussions had happened prior to COVID, and we were kind of moving into the brand launch with the planning. Um, so the train had kind of left the station. So, you know, yes, maybe more secure would have said like, oh, it's not the best time, let's stop, let's come back later. Um, but I think we felt confident we'd done the pre-work and this was now the right move and um, didn't know what COVID will bring um, with it. Um, but it really, um, we felt that there was no going back. We just, you know, wanted to forge forward. So, so what were the considerations you had to take into account when you were developing the brand relaunch? Like, what did you, what did you look at first? What, what, right. what was the essence of the brand relaunch? Yeah, no, I, I think the first thing is, it's, it's, it's kind of funny as it sounds in a way, uh, counterintuitive is like, you know, you're thinking of like, okay, you want to grow the brand and you want to bring in new, you know, um, supporters and um, new fans uh, to your cause. Um, but the first thing you have to look is the existing supporters. So in our organization, Children Believe, um, is, is kind of be, you know, um, lucky enough to have very loyal monthly donors. Um, who are quite most of them were still quite comfortable with, with the old name um, and the old brand. Um, so you had to really first talk to them as, as you started the process, you know, um, understanding, you know, their needs. And then actually, then we frankly went out with them and said, what if we called ourselves this? Would that be a problem? And uh, that was quite a you know, survey to be uh, nervous about um, because if they said, yeah, horrible, we'll leave you in the moment, you, you do that. Um, we probably wouldn't have done it, um, but it was a very, very small minority where, you know, there always are some people who feel very, you know, um, very exceptional of, of what they've used to. Uh, we said, okay, the risk was minimal from that perspective, but it was about communicating to them why we're doing this. Um, what more goodness does it bring? So it wasn't only about making them being okay with it, but for them to, for them to embrace it. Um, so that we spent quite a lot of time in ensuring that, that when we do transition, we take them with us. And then from brand perspective, that's where the, there's a real challenge when you, you're kind of transferring a brand, which is quite different in terms of the aspirations and even the look and feel of, of the old brand, you still need to have all your existing customers in our case, supporters, donors, feel comfortable. This is, this is the organization I'm supporting and I used to support for 10 years or 20 years. So in all of even design, you were always thinking about, take for example, you know, we one of our uh, fundraising tools is a gift catalog. Um, some other organizations have it too, you know, buy, buy a, a, a gift uh, that then can, you know, the, the, the recipients can, can use in their countries. Um, uh, so we, we said, okay, let's make sure the first edition in terms of layout and design from a brand perspective looks very much the same. So you do have this transition where you can keep things as much as you can the same. Um, and so um, I think that's the first thing. And then, then you look at, you know, also the markets and okay, where, where, is the, where is the opportunity? Where do you want to go? And how far you can stretch the brand uh, to think of the, the kind of, the way forward, but you can't leave the people behind. Speaking of the way forward, like, oh, sorry, it's a bit feedback there. Um, speaking of the way forward in the current circumstances, how do you plan 
for a brand re relaunch with everything that's going been going on like how do you how do you come up with like a stable idea of like this is how we're going to relaunch it this is what we're going to do in the future this is the next step when you don't know what the situation is going to be in the next coming next few months yeah i think the one thing is obviously probably evident for 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 me and uh, all of our colleagues uh, is, is that you have to be very comfortable with the uncertainty um and then uh, the trick you know it's just, just a kind of a side comment this is to make sure your board supports the uncertainty which is you know another whole different <laughs> thing but of course to begin with you yourself have to be comfortable with, with that so so the way we really went forward was that you know um you said a you have to have in in my mind in addition to the mission that you know you sign up for and that you know inspires you to get up in the morning um i like to have a very visionary goal uh, a goal post that excites you um so having that clear in everybody's minds in your team's minds in your own mind that will then give you in some way also the comfort that you know we know kind of where we're going and 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 with COVID, the, the the way there became even more uncertain. But so then you trusted again, going back to the basics. You know, you you know how to you know as a brand person and, and and with experience, you know how to launch a brand. You know, it's all about integrated marketing, what way to do, want to put in. So you kind of take it one step at a time. So you say, okay, this is you know first of all, you kind of went through the process of who are we and what you know what do we want to look like. Then you just build a launch plan um, that you trust in, right? And, and obviously, in our case, then even the launch plan was interrupted by by COVID. And then, then again, you 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 pivot. <laughs> so, um, but it's uh, if you stay still and wait for something, then you'll be still waiting. So it, it must require a lot of empathy to like to control branding around nonprofit. You've got to understand what. Not only you got to have empathy for your for your donors for what they um, could potentially want to um, want to see from the brand, but you've also got to understand what they empathise with as well. Like how how do you go about getting in that mindset when it comes to creating a brand for a nonprofit, particularly a relaunch yeah. of an existing brand? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. Um, so, um, and I think that's one thing when when we talk about what kind of a brand do you recreate. So. It shouldn't be done in a vacuum, you know, you know, uh, in, a, in a think tank, uh, working with a partner and you come up with a great brand because, you know, actually our organization had um, along the years past done some of those exercises, but, you know, they didn't feel like it was it was us. Um, they, they could have been a great, you know, startup, um, but it didn't look like us, you know. So you have to kind of start from that empathy point of view of understanding the kind of comments we get, the kind of uh, uh, what kind of caring and warmth there is for our existing brand, and then you kind of uh, take that and 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 build that into even more of 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 its origin. So you kind of so use in a way like it has to be the real ingredients that are already existing. You can't just introduce a whole set of you know imagine baking a cake and you know like so it's it's just a different cake, but it's it's the same flour, sugar, whatever they are. Uh, and and they have to you know and and where we kind of started was from the donors' hearts and and so so uh, and we just then made ourselves we felt that we were already that caring woman and there was some kind of a, um uh, we used them in our branding of the word quirky so we we want to be a little bit quirky um, and that makes um, everybody kind of also relax so I mean brands can't be too serious you know if you're trying to be 
I guess I guess there might be some brands needed for <laughs> some um, some um, I'm thinking funeral companies might not be too. Yeah, the quirk um, is not good as a funeral. Jolly, yeah. jolly in the yeah. branding, so yeah. there might be some exception. But I, I think brands are best when when people who you know when the whole organization when they read that they can kind of embrace and they, they can they can feel that they can add to with their own their own um, thinking. And so um, empathy is definitely one of the key areas that uh, uh, we always look at. So the branding you touched a bit on internal processes as well. There, so the brand relaunch. It wasn't just about changing your external representation. It's also changing your internal direction. Like how, how much involvement did you have from other departments when it came to developing the brand relaunch? Was it just the CMO and marketing going off and doing this themselves? Or did you have input from other departments? No, I can truly say that it was a total uh, uh, pan-organizational uh, uh, process. Of course, we had, we had called what was brand action group, um, that got together in the last six months. We actually, you know, um, not a very nice term terminology for for not for profit. We had our war room, <laughs> where we kind of, you know, uh, uh, all got together and you know, ate lots of pizza, late night pizzas, and so there was that group. But um, for every kind of different milestone we we, we went to, we we engaged the whole organization. Um, we had um, biweekly full organizational updates. Um, with quizzes about the new brand, with the past. And so by the time we had the brand launch, people were celebrating. And so it could have been very different because you know, also internal stakeholders could have been like, why are we doing this? Is this another marketing gimmick? Like, don't we know we have our mission, we have our values. So what is this new brand about? Um, but I think, you know, so when you took them along in the journey and, and you also asked them some critical things, for example, on the brand design logo, um, at some point we had two choices and we asked um, um, a survey, the brand action group and myself, we had kind of our favorite. So we were again, a bit concerned <laughs> what if the other one wins, um, but didn't. So it was like, you know, nine out of 10 people, you know, agreed that the one that we went with was, was the one. Um, so again, people felt, oh yeah, we're part of this. And we were all launching the brand. So by the time we had this other kind of internal launch party, um, it really was a truly people felt that we we did it this, as an organization. It's, it's got to be nice to have, that, to have that win in the middle of the pandemic when people are in lockdown, people are stuck at home and stuff. Like having that big that big win has got to be a nice sort of force aligner kind of thing. Was that something you had in mind for keeping going with the, the brand relaunch? Or was it that just like a, a, a happenstance? Um, yeah, I think it turned out nicer than I thought, to be honest. Like it's, you know, you knew you had to bring them along, but you never know again if, if people get excited, um, but people did get excited. Um, but also then going into the, you know, a little bit into the launch, um, was it really nice that, you know, we kind of prepared everyone that, you know, as we then do launch, you remember our name awareness, the brand awareness, we'll, we'll kind of, we're starting from zero, right? So although then, an important point to keep in the transition was like, you know, an important, especially vis-a-vis uh, -vis, again, communication towards the existing donors. You, all, you always had the formally known as, you know, in the, in the letterheads and things. So, you know, people would still be absolutely sure it comes from us. But, you know, in, in the, in the in, when you measure brand awareness in the, in the public space, you kind of start from zero. Um, children believe didn't exist um, and now it all of a sudden does. So um, not only we did kind of grow um, uh, 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 much beyond the targets of brand awareness in the first six months, 
um, which grew from zero to 17% unaided in, in six months, which is quite remarkable. Um, but more so, we were happy that the secondary values under it, when we looked at the research, which were around trust, um, um, would you consider giving to this charity? Um, would you recommend this charity? So those out of the 17% who kind of recognized the brand name already, and those were equal to our long-term you know, um, competition, if you will, uh, our peers in the sector. And then we did another year after, and we even strengthened and we even actually surpassed in the secondary value. So although overall awareness is still, of course, takes a few years to catch up um, uh, to where we were uh, and catch up with, with uh, peers, the secondary values, which can tell the story that um, we were able to um, uh, come up with a proposition that resonates with the public. Speaking of resonating with the public, the public in COVID era, it's very different in different countries. Like people's people's abilities to behave, abilities to act in certain ways and respond to certain branding and marketing will be very different depending on the stage that the country is in response to COVID. How aware did you have to be of that when you were developing a new brand for an international audience? Like, were you, were you thinking about like, oh, maybe it's not right to market in a certain way to a country that's really struggling with COVID or vice versa? Should we market in a certain way to countries that are completely fine with it? Right, no, excellent question. So, um, you know, although we're, you know, an international um, um, uh, development agency with, you know, headquartered in Toronto, most of our funding does come from, from, from uh, Canada. So we were able to know that, you know, that's the priority to get that right. But you're right, when we were then you know, we had to simultaneously launch um, in in uh, in all of our field countries, um, and then there are also other audiences that, with COVID, the boundaries between countries have kind of disappeared, especially in the digital space, right? So whatever you put out there, which is you know, in positive in things like you know, when when we um, have, for example, with our new brand, we've had influencer events um, with uh, some um, high-level guests. Um, but we were expecting, you know, um, just Canadian attendees mostly, and we had, you know, uh, attendees from all over the world. Um, so it's kind of, and, and I've been in my other um, um, uh, charitable work, I've seen that too. Like it's, it's those boundaries are coming down quickly in the digital space because you can join from anywhere. And I think that was something that will probably stay. Um, so I think, you know, going and linking that international your question about those differences. Um, uh, it's even more important than the brand you build, right? Uh, that it is distinctive. Because um, the, the, the level of noise, the level of uh, information, one wouldn't think was possible, but has again, <laughs> extrapolated um, in the digital space because everybody rushed there. Everybody thought that's one of the things of the learnings where I said, keep it simple. Um, one of our successes was like, you know, we didn't kind of shift everything to digital like some, some did. Um, because everybody was going to focus on that space even more. And, 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 and so you had to compete in that space, but you also have to kind of have your brick and mortar strategies like face-to-face -face marketing and other things to fundraise, um, which are the kind of the key things, of, uh, key acquisition drivers in this space. Um, but we found that, um, you know, our brand, which is, you know, Children Believe um, is about breaking barriers to education so children can live and dream fearlessly. Um, 
that really resonates because it's very clear, you know, it's breaking barriers to education. People go, okay, I get that. Um, so why do you do that so children and can live and dream fearlessly? So, and of course, to get to that point, you need, you, again, needs a bit of work <laughs> to simplify what we're really about. Um, so I think that's really worked really well for us. And, and, and again, that by itself, you can, as you can imagine, is, it works very well in different, you know, um, in, in countries. It's, it's not a country specific, but yet it's specific. So if you're not into education or children, probably this is, we're not for you. Um, so, it, you know, there's a risk of saying, okay, we're not trying to get everybody's, uh, you know, dollars. Um, but again, um, it just makes you stronger when, when you know who you're about. Yeah, especially, it's got to almost have been, I don't want to say a benefit, but there was a lot of concern in the UK, at least about how children were being educated during COVID. Was that something that you had to take into consideration with the brand relaunch, like how, um, how different countries were responding with their schooling for kids and stuff like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the kind of, we had the center of it all the time. And so from a marketing branding perspective, sometimes it is confusing because some, some kids are going back to school, some are not, some are somewhere in between, some is hybrid. Um, and then you also don't want to get into the local politics because it's kind of a hot potato in many countries. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very clear, we're helping the children far away and underprivileged children. So we're not actually, you know, kind of, because that's the one thing, you know, in our industry, you know, in our sector, um, you want to be very clear what you take a stand on. If you're an advocacy organization, you know, um, you know, for um, for a certain cause, then be that. But if you're not, stay stay on your channel, right? Not that you know you can react to uh, to to um, horrors that's happening in the world. But for for actually, like how we always approach, it's always about the children. You know, the children who don't have the you know chance to dream um, fearlessly. So, um, so that's kind of the, the, the nugget that we kind of hold on to. Um, but yeah, even with that, it's a lot of navigating um, how can you do that because each country is different, you know, from um, how we kind of help them do that. You know, in some countries, we're able to do digital learning when there was some connectivity. Somewhere we used Jeeps with megaphones. And, and by the way, when it first happened, um, that's interesting because the first pivot is like, before you can start thinking about bringing a various education, you have to make sure, you know, children stay alive right and so so we also had to make sure that first of all you know there was education about health and hygiene and 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 and, and then also providing as much as we you know kids not just being hypercritical about doing something about it so mm -hmm. so in some sense you had to be flexible in our program model quite quickly and that's kind of where i talked about the brand being um then having an umbrella statement enough like we said so you know, you could always say, well, we can't break barriers to education if, if, if the, fir the first barrier right now is like, uh, let's keep ki the kids alive, right? Um, so, um, and then you have to make sure the programs deliver because the brand cannot say one thing and then, you know, it doesn't happen around. So that's one of the things that I've always lived that, you know, brand cannot be a separate um, entity um, or marketing, kind of just thinking, the marketing gimmicks it has to be fully integrated into the business building uh, i think sure. that's something we're seeing more and more in in the for-profit sector as well like, it's something that's been a part of the non-profit sector is having like practicing what you preach when it comes to brand values right. but now we're seeing more and more profit brands having to say like this is these are the values that we stand for and this is how we're acting on those values is there lessons to be learned for cmos in the profit sector from how 
non-profit brands um, behave in that regard do you think like is there something that cmos if say for a SaaS company or for like a tech company can take away from how how uh, non-profit brands build their well non-profit companies build their brand yeah no i think there's definitely the the i think the word authenticity authenticity that comes you know in both industries and sectors now and there's been some great you know examples from the for-profit during covid um where um you know um companies who did that you know beyond from nice slogans of we're all in this together which is all nice um and maybe the first organization who said that it was still kind of sweet and cute but then the 50th one that did that wasn't that yeah. compelling enough at least um but but if, if a person and also it is more about individual leaders kind of being brave enough to be themselves not kind of um uh, wearing a, a uniform uh, whether it's a marketing uniform a ceo uniform where you kind of hide behind coming out and, and then really showing that they do care about the values of that company and, and that those values were not created so you could attract more millennials to work for them, but they were actually something that they lived through. Um, so I think, yeah, in our industry, we probably have had longer time to train for that because we've been under scrutiny, you know, which is also very weird. I've always thought that was the weirdest thing um, because we're in the for, <laughs> for good. We're in there to create good. Um, but there's almost almost like more like, well, you can't be. I don't know if it's because we can't be that good. So there must be something. And I know there's been catastrophic failures by, you know, different incidents. But there's that like extra scrutiny. So we've kind of had to always have that transparency and have that uh, 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 who we are and what we do very close to us. So I think I do feel yeah, there's more, more shift from the for profit into what we've always done. Yeah, I mean, in, in the past, if you if you heard about like the like a, a, a for-profit company committing fraud tax fraud and stuff everyone's like oh that's just what they do but where if, yeah. a, if a if a charity did something like that it's like oh god yeah. burn down oh, the building like, how yeah, could exactly, they? Yeah, exactly. Like, so there's been a bit of a double standard was probably you know it's, it's going away which is really good so and uh so i think we've had a bit more practice in that but i think you know the watch out for what's in our industry is, is to keep it real also because we also have a howard jargon that we can kind of fall into and again, not probably intentionally, but if you, you know, you, you keep working the space and then you just kind of, it comes almost, almost automatically, well, we do this and this and this, but then it doesn't come with a heart. So I think that's why um, a rebranding um, during COVID times is, is probably helped us to sharpen our internally who we are um, and allows us to tell the story even more kind of clear and, 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 and brighter. And, and the one other thing about COVID times why, why I think it's, um, why it's actually probably good to i don't know if it's <laughs> advisable to say you should rebrand during COVID times it was kind of a it just happened um but you know COVID has allowed has prepared people for change and in times of change people are somewhat more open to change so so you can bring more change and you can say like hey this is who we are now so rather than like if everything's all stable and all fine and then you create change people are more like why are you changing but so it's more understandable during the turmoil to change. So I think in, in some way that could be an advantage. Speaking of like the lessons that you've learned from, from having a relaunch in these unstable circumstances, I'm not going to say you're going to relaunch the brand again in like the next like two to five years, because that right. I mean that's a mammoth undertaking to redo yeah, yeah, again. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so, like 
do you think you have learned lessons in how you're going to approach it differently in the future if you if you were to relaunch your brand or in how or just in terms of how you're going to manage the brand moving forward do you think there are lessons you've learned from, from yeah COVID? i think you know um not that i could even in the future just be the um guardian of that but i would have probably um tried to secure even more continuous funding because i think once you know you had that launch big bang and so had we had probably more marketing oomph and dollars has continued on that wave i think we could have gained even more in that momentum right so i think that's one thing you kind of say like okay you know and you can't get that momentum back so so um so i guess the advice would be you know for 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 future me or, or others listening is like if you're able to, to don't plan just a you know big bang launch which i think is beneficial in most cases depending on your brand but try to kind of, you know, you know, keep it going, keep it going and, and kind of ride the wave, especially if, if the few first readings of the brands are positive. Um, just keep going in, 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 in there. Um, the, um, the, uh, the other learnings are, are probably just, uh, um, well, which we try to do um, very well, is just like um, be even, even closer to, to, to your programs and, and it comes to like, uh, and, and, if you are able to report even more from, I and mean, in COVID case, it's kind of hard because you can't travel there. Like, but it's it's people like to know what's happening right now. You know, like it's just, that's the that's the thing people are even more uh, um, impatient about you know, the news. And then and so, um, but again, I think um, there are some you know with all the travel restrictions and the uncertainty, nobody wanted to move. So it was kind of uh, um, we had to react, but we couldn't always get. You know all the reporting on it um, as fast as the market would have wanted. So, in terms of moving forwards, is there still space for long-term plans when it comes to branding, or is it is it just about being adaptable? Is it just like focusing on the here and now, moving forwards? Yeah, no, it's a super, super, super question. Um, I think you know, honestly, um, you have to have like you know, like uh, we have a five-year strategy, but you know, it will be checked every year and and kind of and within the year we'll follow things so i think there's still a place for both because um if you have a roadmap then you know then you have something to veer off if you need to but if you don't have a roadmap then it, 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 you, you could lose your way right so that's why i'm always talking about the goalpost i think you have the goalpost and yet it's good to have a roadmap just from a kind of the brand investment point of view and the marketing and fundraising you know so you know that what is needed to get there you've done the financial planning so you kind of do the due diligence but then you're very aware that you need to really follow um you know um, um like i would say probably quarterly basis of what you're doing and, and i'll be ready to adapt um but if you've got your brand right and you've got your corpus right then it, it, it's not such a, a massive exercise to to kind of do those pivots right um but yeah you can count on on, on doing those because you know we we see and rightly so all, all the discussions about um equality and diversity all, all those societal things so again whether you're in for profit or or, or um, not for profit you have to kind of also build those in into the experience of the people you can't be saying oh those happens outside us they all anything that happens to the society also happens with your brand um, and your marketing plan so you just have to kind of keep building those in but i think it's it's tougher if you don't have the roadmap so um, i believe in a roadmap that can be 
changed quite quickly. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting what you say. Like, it, if you don't have that route, you don't know where you're veering off. So, yeah, you need to. Have, you can't just be stabbing in the dark kind of thing. You need to know what you're reacting against if you're making changes. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. I, I think that I think that's fantastic advice, both for marketers and just for people's life progressions in general. Right? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, so maybe at least one last final question: What is the golden rule of a brand relaunch? Like, what what is the main thing to keep in mind while you're relaunching a brand? Just to like sum up what we've been discussing. Like, what what was the main thing you had in mind when it came to like rebranding? Yeah. So uh, I think the golden rule is what I started with. Like, when you do relaunch, um, assuming you have you know it's an existing uh, established brand that has its followers or or customers or uh, or supporters or donors. Uh, start with them. Um, start with them. Um, don't get excited and, and by the glitter and gold of where you want to go. Um, uh, start with the people because they can also inform who you really are. Because you, as a marketer, whether you're there as a you know year or ten years, you still it's just you. Um, and even if so, if you talk to marketing agencies, so so and so really get into that and so uh, and and do some surveys and learn about them and kind of visualize that first. And um, that's, I think that's the golden rule. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jackie. That's some great advice. Um, and I'm sure our listeners will have found this very interesting as well. Like, a lot of people are talking about their their brands and what they're going to do moving forward and in, uh, in the new ways of working, the new world that we're in, in a hopefully soon to be post-COVID um, world at the time of recording. Um, thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back soon with more CMO Convos. 